0: I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. See, there's a transformative quality when you encounter Jesus. And I want to remind us here, if you're new with us, I want to to, let you know on something that we believe here at the Orchard. And that is that we don't come here for good music or good preaching. We come here for a good God. We are here for an encounter with the divine father of the universe, because we want to leave transformed, changed people when we leave those doors. I come here with an expectation that every week is going to be an incredible transformative Sunday, and I hope you do too, and I hope we begin to bring our expectation and our faith and our hope that God's going to do something here among us. And today, today's message, some of you are going to leave different than when you showed up, and that's why we do this. Amen? You know, I was blind, but now I see. We're going to talk today about somebody who lived in the first half of that. I was, I'm blind. His name was Bart. He was born blind, and as an infant, he, he didn't know any better. He was just born, and he didn't know he was missing out on anything, and it wasn't until his later toddler years when he began to understand that his brothers could do something that he couldn't do, and they called it seeing. And they talked about things in a way that he couldn't, Experience, And he would sit there in the privacy of his own mind and try to imagine the colors that his brothers spoke of and what they would look like. But I mean, if you've never seen a blue sky, how do you imagine blue? And how do you imagine a sky? Bart longed to to see things that mattered most. He longed to see the face of his mom and dad the most. And he would sit there as long as they would let him and just feel their face as much as he could. He'd say, smile, Let let me see you smile. Let me see you angry. He wanted to see his mommy, see his dad. And of course, were hard times. He would cry when he was left out of the games. He couldn't play with the other kids the way they played. And he found out later it wasn't just him who cried. He would touch his mom's face sometimes to see her, to feel that she was crying. She was crying over her little boy. He grew up, but in his society, in his day and age, There was no assistance for him. There was no programs for his condition. There was no scholarships. His brothers got apprenticeships at the age of 13 where they would go on to to work for a lifelong industry, but not so for Bart. There was no apprenticeship for him. It was his mom who passed first. I crushed him. And years later, when his father passed, he succumbed to the life that he always knew would happen. He became a beggar. And each morning he would sit up from his dirt bed and shake off his raggedy blanket before wrapping it around him as his cloak. This cloak was his one real possession in life. It was given to him 12 years prior by a stranger. It's smelly now. Yes, it's torn, it's worn through, but it was his constant uniform, whether in sleep or awake. At the corner or in the alley, he had his cloak around him so he would wake up and leave his alley and shuffle to the corner of the street where he would spend the next 12 hours now when he first started begging he would he would talk to people as they approached or, or sing or tell a joke or or say something to them to get them to see him and engage but over the years his his joviality stopped no more singing and he would just plead please can you spare something but over the decades even that he didn't have the heart to plead So he would just place himself on his corner, face downcast, silence. Whatever people put in front of him, that's what he would take home. At one point in time, he had a a life full of hope that something could be different, but not now. Hope was long gone, and, and what can you do for a guy like Bart? Born with issues he could never overcome. His only peace was the acquiescence to the fact that his life wouldn't change. He would do this every day. And so he sits there on the corner, his face a mask of numbness. He's resigned himself to this corner and this cloak. They are his life, and he knows they'll be his death. Now, you may not be blind, and you may not be a beggar, but chances are you have places in your life that you deeply long to be different. If you were honest, and maybe you were born with something that you've just never been able to overcome, More likely along the way, you've picked up some wounds that have changed you. Or some behaviors or reactions that that hurt others and have hurt your relationships. Or even some vices and addictions. And you've actually stopped promising yourself that you're going to try to quit. Because you know you won't. Or insecurities that cripple us much more than we ever let on. It changes how we engage with the world. and For many, anxiety is the cloak that we wear. Like Bartimaeus, we wake up every morning with it wrapped around us and we wear it throughout the day. For others, depression has settled in and taken all the color from their vision. And we have become beggars for joy, for happiness, from a vacation, from a relationship, from other people. Please, can you give me some joy? And for others of us, there's rage and anger and irritation just below the surface that that lashes out at those we love the most and eviscerates those who get in our way. And while we don't ever think of ourselves like Bart the beggar, in moments of authenticity and in moments of clarity, we all share some deep and quiet desperation to be free, to find some wholeness to find some freedom, to find some love, to find forgiveness, to find some peace. The problem is that we hear stories. We read stories in here and we, we hear sermons about people being transformed, people being healed, people being changed. But if we could be a little honest just for a second here, and we look at our own lives, we'd find that things tend to stay the same, don't they? Year after year. So the question this morning is, how do we find deep and lasting transformation? Is that available to us? Why do some receive healing when others do not? If the offer of Jesus is real, is it dynamic enough to heal us on this side of heaven? So with these questions in mind, I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 10. can follow along on the screens if you'd like. It says this, then Jesus and his disciples spent some time in Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd of people, were leaving the city. Now this is right near the end of Jesus' ministry and his his disciples are leaving the, the big city of Jericho. In fact, he's about to travel the last 20 miles to get to Jerusalem and arrive at the beginning of Passover week. And by the end of that week, he will be nailed to a cross this is the final leg of his journey jesus knows what waits for him on the other side of this road he he just told his disciples earlier in this chapter can you imagine the burden mentally and emotionally that he's carrying as he knows these are my this is my final walk to jerusalem and then i have to endure that then Jesus and his disciples spent some time in Jericho, and Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man named Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. Now we know some things from here in the text. Bart the blind beggar, Bartimaeus is outside the city. He's not even inside the city anymore. This lets us know he has long worn out his welcome with the locals. He's, he may have been here his whole life, probably has. He has a life of begging ahead of him with no reprieve, a life of poverty, a life of darkness, both visually, emotionally, but also socially, relationally. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth was coming toward him, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the word for shout here is the word crazo. I don't do it justice when I tried to sound like Bartimaeus because chrazo means a raspy desperate guttural cry from within it's the same words it's the same word that would be used a week later when Jesus is on the cross and he says it is finished it's a cry from the depths so he cries out another interesting thing is what Bartimaeus yells he calls Jesus son of David what does it mean, son of David? He's not David's son. Son of David is a title that means Messiah. It's an Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah would come from the family and the lineage of King David. When you call somebody King of, son of David, that means something. He's calling him Messiah. Now, I miss this. This is interesting. Bartimaeus is yelling, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, Messiah. Catch this. This is the first public proclamation of jesus being the messiah now now uh, only a little while longer peter in a private conversation had said you're the messiah and jesus said don't tell anybody but now here we are on this dusty road to jerusalem and a blind man says jesus messiah He's proclaiming proclaiming a news that no one else knows. And what's what's amazing to me is in a crowd this size, it was Bartimaeus the blind who had spiritually 20-20 vision. While everyone else who can see Jesus isn't calling him Messiah. And if you are here today, and you you are physically impaired, emotionally or mentally afflicted, learn something from Bartimaeus here. That while your body or your mind or emotions might be some way ill, your greatest health, your greatest place of thriving, your greatest vision, your clearest thing could be your spiritual life. That you know Jesus as Savior. And you can declare that whatever else happens. Bartimaeus sees something that others do not see. And so we have Jesus and his closest friends and and the crowd passing by And this blind beggar yells over the crowd, Jesus, Son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you hear this, how do you respond? Well, surely they said, oh, let's get him over to Jesus. This guy's in need. Let's get him over there. Come on. But they respond how they often respond. Read along with me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. I can imagine Peter, come on, man. We're doing Jesus stuff here. Or another person. Can, can someone get this needy person out of here? We have important church stuff going on. We don't need these distractions. We're doing church up in here. These people are looking for Jesus. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. This is the ugly side of religion. This is judgmental religion right here. The people who could see keeping the one who was blind from the only person who could help him see. The people who were healthy keeping the unhealthy from Jesus. The people who were on the journey with Jesus keeping somebody who wanted to be away. I mean, think of it. Just think for one second. On the entire planet Earth, there was one place that Bartimaeus could have received his sight. On the entire planet, there was one person that Bartimaeus could have talked to that could have healed his brokenness. On the planet Earth, there was one piece of soil where he could have stood and been made whole. And it was at the feet of Jesus. And those who knew Jesus kept him from that place. This isn't the blind leading the blind. This is the blind rebuking. This is the seeing rebuking the blind. And church orchard, may this never be true of us. I want you to stop right here and say, that may this never be true of us. May the orchard as a people, let's not let any judgment get between us and others. May we not stand between those and Jesus and say, no, no, no. Not for you. Not for those people. There's no those people. We love God. We love all people. No asterisks. And all people need Jesus. And may we as a church never stand between those who are in need and Jesus and say, mm, not you. Something about you. You're a little stranger. You're, you're the wrong this. You're the wrong this. You're the wrong that. Oh, God forgive us and God help us. May the orchard be known as a people who are a living invitation. Come, let me show you. Let me, show you let me introduce you. Let me guide you. Come with me. I know a guy. I know a guy who can do, can do something about that. Come with me. May the orchard be a people who are constantly inviting others into the presence of the one person who can change their life. You see, there's a world of Bartimaeuses out there who are spiritually blind and eternally needy. We live with them. We work with them. We recreate with them. We we eat with them. We drink with them. And yet, do we bring them to Jesus? Do, do, Do we bring them? We might not consciously keep them from Jesus. But does our silence and inaction we should be the people who are saying, here! Here he is! Peace? Peace! Forgiveness? Forgiveness! Healing? Healing. Whatever it would be. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me! Messiah! Messiah! Do you see me? Bartimaeus refused to be quiet. In fact, he goes, oh, I just, I've just started. He begins yelling. And it makes me wonder why. Like, what, 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 why is he yelling this way? What does he know? Why is he so insistent? You see, I believe Bartimaeus is seeing, for the first time, a light beam of hope rip through his dark life. And his desperation for change began to well up. It overcame everything else in his life. remember the story of this man i told you at the beginning throughout his lifetime nothing could be done for him but he hears about a man he hears about a rabbi who travels around and heals people he hears he can do what no one else can do in fact he heard about this guy in Bethsaida who was blind and this very jesus healed that blind man could could he do that for me Could, could he heal me and everyone had heard about the pool of Siloam, there was a dude who who was born blind, and Jesus healed him, and he's still walking around. Could, Could that be me? This is the guy. Bartimaeus may be dressed in a raggedy cloak, but on this day, he's wrapped in something new, something fresh, something that can change everything, and that's hope. Hope is one of the most powerful elements in this universe. And Orchard, what have you given up Hope for what have you stopped praying for what have you given up hope that would ever change what desire of your heart or thing that you have going on have you just stopped hoping and you just tuck it away Bartimaeus awakened a new hope this day now notice something he doesn't sit there passively and silently just wishing for Jesus to come by no Jesus is close. He's coming by. This is my chance. He yells, son of David, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. See me. What if Bartimaeus had remained silent? What if he had just sat there and and quietly like, oh, I don't think we would be preaching about him right now. I don't think we'd know his name. So the question is, where are you waiting for Jesus to move in your life? And what is your disposition? Are you passively just wishing for something to happen? Is your hope buried below silence and years of disappointment? Or in faith, in hope, are you pressing in and calling out in prayer and saying, Jesus, I need you here. It's been a decade. I should have stopped praying a long time ago, but I still need you. Please help me. Don't give up on me. Do you see me? Have mercy on me the things we desire most, may we cry out for the loudest. May we never give up hope. Bartimaeus did so even though the social norms and the the society and the culture would say, don't do that, but he would not be deterred. He longed for the touch of Jesus and he cared much more about that than he cared about the condemnation of the crowds. You see, his, his need for Jesus outweighed his need for their approval and what keeps us silent and in our seats on Sundays oftentimes is the approval of others. And there might come a time in your life when you're so desperate for him to change you and move in your life that you don't care what anyone in this room thinks. You'll jump in any tank, you'll come down any aisle, you'll say anything because I need Jesus to change me. I'm tired of being the same. I don't care what people think about me because I have a savior. I'm trying to live for him, please. We We leave these walls and go into a world where we're not supposed to talk about stuff. We're not supposed to say things. But there might come a point, like Bartimaeus, where the fire burning inside speaks louder than what the culture says to be quiet about. Jesus, with a crowd on their way to Jerusalem, blind beggar crying out, he's told to be quiet. He yells all the louder. And how does Jesus respond? I mean, Jesus is on his way to do the big ending. Does he have time for this? He's about to go save. He's about to go die for everyone. What's what's he doing here? Jesus stopped and said, call him over. So they called the blind man. I love this. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Like, it's your lucky day. <laughs> hey, hey, he. way to go. Now you've interrupted everything, but come on. Can you imagine being Bartimaeus? You cried out to your Messiah. You cried out to the Messiah, and he heard your cry. He stopped, and he saw you, and then he how does he respond throwing his cloak aside he was on his feet at once and came to jesus and we got to catch this part because there's beauty in the detail here there's a lot of scholarly work that's been done on the jesus's time and the culture and socially how people interacted and a lot of the sages agree that the beggar's cloak was a sort of uniform for his status in life i mean he didn't have different clothes He wore this cloak every day, and people knew him simply by it. In his town, if he was asleep under it, they would see the cloak and know, there's that Bart guy. He was constantly wrapped in it. It was constantly with him. It's the symbol of who he is. He used this cloak to keep warm at night. He he used it to keep the sun off him during the day. He used it when he wanted privacy, even on a street corner. For an impoverished, homeless, blind beggar, this cloak was his constant companion, and it was probably the one possession that he valued most, because if he didn't have it, it would be a different game. Bartimaeus throws it aside because he's got something much more important in front of him in that moment. The Greek word here says that Bartimaeus cast away his cloak, he cast it away. Bartimaeus cast away the symbol of his old life. Bartimaeus cast away the symbol of his begging. Bartimaeus cast away the uniform that defined who he was for decades, for a lifetime. And I wonder what was going through his mind. And someday I'm gonna meet him and I'm gonna ask him, what were you thinking when you just threw it away? I, mean, I wonder, I mean, he was like, if I could only get in front of Jesus, I'll be healed, and I will never need this thing again. I can just get to Jesus. Everything changes for me. Catch this, catch this. Bartimaeus, in faith, was casting away his old life before he even had his new life. Bartimaeus is casting off his old life in preparation for his new life. He's emptying his hands of what he's been grabbing onto to make them open for what's next. He's leaving behind his old ways to make way for a new one. He's thrown off the symbol of what cursed him to move forward to receive the miracle that was going to bless him. He didn't want his hands full with his old life when he got to Jesus' feet. He wanted to have his hands open for something new. Time and time again throughout Jesus' ministry, he called people all throughout his ministry to drop something to pick something else up. For his disciples, for some of them, he said, drop your fishing nets drop your old life drop drop your old career and come follow me i'll give you something new for a rich young ruler he asked him to cast away his money and his mansions for a tax collector collector to cast away his sin and his lifestyle for a broken woman caught in sin to drop her constant desire and need to be loved and her impurity for another was called to drop his constant um comfort and luxury for a life of purpose And for most and almost all of us, it's to drop our pride and fear of what the world's gonna think about us. To make way for what he's gonna do in us next. Jesus still calls people to drop things. He's still calling us to drop something so that our hands can be free for what he's got for us next. He still asks us. He still calls us. Many of us, we still cling to our cloaks. We hold on to those old fishing nets. We hold on to that career, that resource, that pride, that fear, waiting passively, just hoping that that something happens, but Jesus will never force it. He lets you make the decision. Many of us cling to every shred of our old life while Jesus calls us and offers us a new one Ah, it's my only cloak. It's the only life I've ever known. It is scary to let go of these things. These are what define me. Many of us grip onto the very things that hold us back while Jesus wants us to move forward free of it. Orchard, God is asking you to let go and cast away some of your old life so you can have, be prepared for a new one. Bartimaeus made his decision he cast away what was what held him back for the glory for what was ahead he had a holy expectation that Jesus was who he said he was and this is why our faith is so imperative and this is why our our hope is so precious and this is why our expectation of what God can do in us and through us orchard our water level of expectation needs to rise in this place we serve a great God who changes lives doesn't just bless food and travel mercies So what's your prayer? What's the thing you need God to come through in? The thing you've stopped hoping for, the thing you've stopped praying for? Because he's the God that moves in those places. What Bartimaeus has here is something we need to rise up into, an expectation of Jesus. See, you only cast aside your cloak, you only cast aside your old life if you know you won't need it anymore. Because you have an expectation that something new is coming. You only leave your old life behind if you have a true expectation that there's a new life ahead. Do you have expectation that God can transform you? i me ask you two very important questions. Do you believe that God can change you? Yeah. Do you have an expectation that God will change you? Because those two questions are very different, and you respond in life very differently to those two things. Do you have a faith and a holy expectation that God will move in you and through you? Because if you have that expectation, you take action. You're going to see your hands are, are full, and you've got to empty them to get, get them free for what he has next throwing his cloak aside, casting it away. He was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. And so here we have it. A crowd of people split. The blind man walks in, finds his place. Everything goes silent. The blind beggar is in front of the Savior. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? Now Jesus, he's the son of God. He gets supernatural knowledge and wisdom. What can I do for you? I'm blind? (laughs) I don't know. Like, what's he doing here? I'll I'll tell you what he's doing. You see, not every blind person wants sight because not every spiritually blind person wants to see. You see, we ask for things like power and and success and love and this and that and relationships and and, and careers and he's asking at the core of who you are, what's that one thing that you want? And if Jesus were to come here and stand before you and say, what can I do for you? Some of us would chick it out and go, "Mm, I would like to have a good year. (sighs) He's asking that question where you, you don't even know if you want to say it out loud. You don't even know if you can verbalize that out loud. I want. He asked Bartimaeus' question. Bartimaeus knows what he wants. His whole life. As a child, he would lay there in bed and his eyes didn't work to see, but they worked to cry. He would lay there and his pillow would be wet with this one sentence I want to see. I want to see. He would hold his mom and say, Mom, I want to see. And she would hold her son and just cry. So Jesus says, What do you want? He says, Four words I want to see. And while those four words may seem like it's an easy and obvious answer, I can't imagine the courage to verbalize in front of a crowd of people because life wears us down. Life wears us down and we get used to our vices and we get used to our afflictions and we get used to our circumstances and we become okay with them and we start to believe nothing will ever change. And when that happens, we begin to lose hope. And if we're honest, if we're really honest, there are some places in each of our lives where we have stopped hoping. Hope is scary. And to verbalize hope, terrifying. There was a time in my life when I was shipwrecked and broken from decisions and circumstances and I gave up on redemption and wholeness. I figured my, I had my life all tracked out and it got so far off, I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. The thing that God began to do in me, he didn't change my circumstances. He didn't magically change my heart. He began to whisper hope to me. He began to call my heart to hope once again. And as I started to hope, my faith began to follow. Faith follows hope. Where you don't have hope for something, you can't have faith for it. I began to have hope that God could do what he said he's going to do, that God could change me, that God can move in me, that God wasn't done with me, that God had redemption he could weave into my story, that God had a future for me and he had good things for me, and he did. But the first miracle he did in my life was bringing my soul back to a place of hopeful expectation and the ability to faith and know that he is who he says he is and he works all things to the good for those who love him. So so there are circumstances. Is there any circumstance in your life or an issue or an area of character or a transformation that you have given up the hope of seeing God move? Because for some of us in this room, the first miracle he's going to call you to is to awaken to that scary hope once again. What if he's not done? What if your story's not done being written? What if he can change you? What if he can move in you? What if he can set you free? What if he can make you whole? What if he can heal you? What if he will? Jesus standing there in front of him on that dusty afternoon, surrounded by all those people, surrounded by his disciples and his friends and the clingers and the fans, and he looked down into the hopeful yet sightless eyes of Bartimaeus. I would love to see this. Bartimaeus can't see Jesus' face. But Jesus speaks to him and says, Go! Your faith has healed you. And immediately, Bartimaeus received his sight. Your faith has healed you. Such a strange statement, so packed full of theological dynamite. Jesus stated that the catalyst for the healing was Bartimaeus' faith, and I... I wonder if Jesus, when this was all going on, and and, and he had come to a halt because he was yelling, if he had looked over and seen Bartimaeus cast away his cloak and get up and start walking toward him. I wonder if he watched as Bartimaeus threw aside his old life to come to Jesus for a new one. Because that would be faith. Bartimaeus exercised great faith by dropping what was and coming to Jesus for what could be. It makes me ask myself, What old life am I clinging on to until Jesus does something? When Jesus is waiting for me to let it go, and then he will do something. This makes me wonder, what old life are we holding on to? Jesus tells Bartimaeus that his faith has healed him but he says something else before that he says go go on your way a healed man but Bartimaeus immediately the first thing Jesus tells him to do he doesn't do it he doesn't go on his way he doesn't go back to Jericho he didn't go back to his alley and, and find his cloak hey, it's blue I didn't know it was blue he didn't go find anything he didn't go find his family he doesn't go on his way Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus down the road. In his utter joy, he doesn't go, he follows. You see, for a lifetime he prayed and longed to have his eyes come to life and have the darkness break to see light pour into his vision. He longed to to take in the world and the colors and the sights that he always heard people talk about. I'm sure he longs to go see what remains of his family or see the temple or, or see a sunset, to look into the face of a loved one, anything. And Bartimaeus probably had faith that someday, someday he would die and his eyes would open and he would look into the eyes of his creator. But God in his kindness was not okay with that. And instead, Bartimaeus standing there on that dusty road, his eyes opened up to the face of his creator. The first thing Bartimaeus sees in his whole life is the loving eyes and smile of Jesus looking at him. And when he looked at Jesus, he didn't want to look anywhere else after that. His eyes opened to the one thing that puts all of life in perspective who is Jesus? This is the beauty of a true convert. Immediately, when the spiritual drab old life is replaced by a new one in full color, they want to serve and lead and follow. Spurgeon, a famous preacher, says it this way. It's so good. He goes, you see the crowd moving along now? You see it? Who's that man in the midst with his face so joyous? Who's that man there that, that lost his upper garment? He, he's dressed below as a, as a beggar. Who is he? Because if you look at him, there's nothing beggary about him for his step is firm and his eyes are glistening and sparkling. Who is that man? That's Bartimaeus. He's following in the footsteps of Jesus. From Bartimaeus, we learn what truly matters. We learn that we should run to Jesus with hopeful expectation. We we, we learn that we are called to cast away um, our old life in preparation for what he has for us in the future. We learn that God is never done, never done weaving redemption into our lives. And for some of you here today, that's all you need to know. God's not done with you. You're not defined by your sins still. Maybe God wants you to stop being defined by your nightmares and start being defined by the dreams he has for you. He's not done. He's never done. Time to pick up hope again. As we take communion, I want a few ways to respond here today. Remember communion, if you're a guest with us, um, there's no class to take. It's an open table. You can come here. And Jesus says, actually, he goes, he goes, take this in remembrance of me. If you remember Jesus, this is for you. But as we go into communion, some of us here today, we need a transformation. We need a healing. We need to take out that hope afresh and anew and look at it and, and, and tell Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, I need you. I need you right here in this place. For some of us, it's time to to let our holy expectation rise. Do you think God can still move in your life? What if we were just like Bartimaeus and we said, I want it, I want it now. If you are in here and you have some place in your life that you want Jesus to change, it could be small, it could be huge, it could be a desire of your heart that he hasn't yet given you, it could be something in your past that you just can't shake. It could be addiction in the present that you can't get rid of. Whatever it may be where you need Jesus to show up and you want his help, I'm gonna ask you to do something brave. I'm not gonna ask you to say or go anywhere, I'm just gonna ask you to stand up so I can pray over you if that's you today. Anybody need prayer? They say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I wanna be healed. I wanna be changed. I wanna be set free. I wanna be made whole. I want you to put your, your hand over your heart and pray with me out loud. Jesus, Jesus. Son, of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. See me. Heal, me. Heal me. Give me freedom. Give me wholeness. And I want you in the quietness of your own self right now, whisper out what it is. If he said, what is it you want me to do? I want you to say it. Say it out loud. Whisper it even. What is it you want Jesus to do? Say it as a prayer. Jesus, take our authentic desire for you. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, there would be movement of the spirit and healing and wholeness. I pray, Jesus, that you would do in an instant what we can't do in a lifetime. We believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. There's one more group in here I want to pray with, and you you don't have to stand up, don't worry. But there are some of you in here today who I know or who don't know if you believe in Jesus as Savior yet. You know the whole Jesus thing. It's part of our culture, but you don't know if you have exercised your faith to believe that he is your Savior. The Bible is clear. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died and resurrected, we will be saved. And Jesus is calling you to drop your old life, to drop the rags of what you've had to come into a new reality with a new destiny and a new future. And so if that's you, I'm gonna ask everyone to pray with me. And I'm gonna ask you if this is the first time If you wanna pray this. I want you just to pray with all your heart. Repeat after me. Let's pray. Jesus, I need you. I know you died. I know you rose again. Here's my heart. Holy Spirit, come into my life. I follow you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, when we go to prayer, I want you to come find me. I want to talk to you, okay? Come find me up front. And as we close this, we have a prayer team in the back corner, some people at the front. Listen, don't be deterred by what people may think about you. Go get the prayer you need. You never know what Jesus is going to do. Go to the back for the prayer. Come up front for prayer, whatever it is. But let's have communion. Let's thank Jesus who gave his life, his blood and body, that we could have freedom and healing. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, I can't imagine how Bartimaeus worshipped on the other side of his healing, but I pray that you would right now give us a taste. Help us to respond in worship to a Savior who brought us from death to life. And I pray, Father, for those in here who are still so hurting and still so scared and still so doubting that right now your Holy Spirit would do what no human can. Speak, draw them. Call them. Heal them. Holy Spirit, you have free reign in this place. Let's worship. Amen.